Hello, everybody, and welcome to the Aggieville Alley Couch Podcast. We're come rain, shine, or anything in between. We're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. I'm Ace Edwards, right alongside Connor Balthazor. And welcome to this week's weekly recap, where we have a little bit of recruiting notes to go over. Then we're going to go over soccer, volleyball, men's golf, which has been a familiar reprieve. We may have set the world record for most times men's golf's covered. In a, at least in a K-State podcast, maybe in most podcasts. And then, of course, the wacky segment of the week. But let's go ahead and dive straight into a little bit of recruiting news. And this recruiting news is for the women's basketball team, as the mini cats and the women's basketball team have picked up a brand new commit for the class of 2024. And that is Finley Onstad a six-foot shooting guard and small forward from Lakeville South High School in Lakeville, Minnesota. So, obviously, it's a brand-new commit, but Connor actually knows what he's talking about when it comes to basketball, so I'll defer to him on this. I will begin by once again asking anybody to make a viable women's basketball recruiting service. Like you don't even have to go as in depth as on three or 24 seven, just do like something that isn't ESPN's like poor effort. Like uh, that's all I want. That's all I want, but want the bare minimum. (laughs) Yeah. Literally just like go through just at least grade commits like for school. It takes like 10 minutes. Yeah. (laughs) Um, yeah. So Finley Onstad, uh, a six foot uh, shooting guard slash small forward emphasis on the shooting guard, though, uh, <laughs> because I'd say that most of her potential probably lies as a shooter, which is very encouraging that the staff is looking for outside shooting help because that last year was probably the biggest struggle uh, for the uh, women's basketball team. So I, I I'm pleased by that uh, on side is a 2024 recruit. Uh, I will say, so it'll be a while before uh, she's making it to campus, uh, but she'll be in the same class as uh, Terrence Sides. Um, but I like her game. Uh, she brings long arms to the table, uh, so that's kind of where most of the small forward play comes from, just because there's some defensive utility there. She's got good burst. Her top-end speed isn't phenomenal or anything, but she is quick to get to her top speed. She so she shows a affinity to uh, driving to the basket, does a good job with that. She's good at creating separation on the perimeter, but not so much uh, the closer she gets to the basket. Um, but she's solid at getting around people. Um, didn't see a ton of defensive highlights, but she did have a few nice blocks. She has a really quick release on her three as well. So definitely a lot of utility uh, in the future as a three-point shooter, and we definitely need the help on the outside. So yeah. again, uh, coverage of women's basketball recruiting coverage of anything that isn't men's basketball or football recruiting wise is super limited. So we're doing the best that we can, uh, to, to cover that, but, um, she's got a good potential, um, based off the bit that I've seen from her huddle. Um, not the most unbelievably athletic person in the world, but all around still a solid player. Uh, clearly a good outside shooter and a skilled shooter at that. Um, would like to see improvements in uh, lateral agility and maybe more top-end speed, but there's only so much you can do with speed, really. 
But yeah. I, I like what you can bring to the table as a shooter on the outside just to help diversify the offense a little bit more. Yeah. It's yeah, you're you're definitely right on the money in saying we need help with uh with outside shooting and also that women's basketball is criminally, criminally, criminally under recovered from a recruiting perspective. Cause they don't even have like a specialized service. You know, baseball has perfect game. But yeah. Enough complaining. Welcome to the family, Finley, and, you know, obviously go Cats. Next up is the soccer recap for the week, and there is but one match to recap, and that is up against the Oklahoma Sooners in yep in Manhattan. Uh, the Sooners entered this game with a 7-5-3 record with a 2-2-1 conference record. Your Kansas State Wildcats beat the Oklahoma Sooners 2-1 with one goal in each half. The first goal was scored in the 43rd minute for the Cats, and the second was scored in the 81st. And then Oklahoma responded in that 81st minute, but also that was that was it for scoring. So the Soccer Cats held on, and Connor has you for the more specific stats. Yeah, so yeah. Like I said, a 2-1 victory um, for K-State. Uh, there were a few yellow cards doled out in this game. Only one of them to K-State. Uh, K-State Shazman Brown got one in the 59th minute. Then the next two were to OU uh, in the 64th minute and the 73rd minute. Um, but shooting-wise, uh, this game was roughly even in terms of shots. OU definitely outshot in the second half. Uh, but it was a slight K-State advantage in the first half, even it roughly evened out. Uh, 15 shots for OU over the game to 11 for K-State, then seven on target for OU to five for K- So OU did take a slight advantage there, but not enough to write home about. Uh, then K-State was six saves, OU with three. Um, corner kicks, K-State had a slight advantage there, seven to five for OU. Fouls were dead even, 10 apiece. But yeah, K-State did get the last laugh on this one with a 2-1 victory. Uh, Sophie Harlan, the freshman, uh, gets one of the goals. Uh, Kaylee Thornhill had a goal as well as another shot on goal and then two more shots. So then Bailey Nemechek with the uh, with an assist as well as Ada Anderson. Um, then Jasmine Brown, despite the yellow card, did play all 90 minutes on the defensive side. She has been really, really good. Uh, so far this year, um, as a true freshman, I have, uh, when I've been able to watch soccer games, she has definitely been a highlight of the team. Uh, and I've, I've really enjoyed watching uh, her grow and play far beyond, uh, her experience. Um, other than that, not a ton of notable stats. Kyler Goins had two shots, neither on target. Um, and then Ada Anderson had two shots and a shot on goal to go with her assist, but, yeah, this was a game that was fairly evenly matched in terms of basically every statistic. Um, cases they did uh, go up 2-0. OU was able to score uh, less than a minute after K-State's second goal. So those last uh, about 10 minutes were kind of sweaty, probably for Mike Dabini. Um, yeah. But they still come away with a victory um, to get to 6-8-2, and 2-4-1 in conference play. And... Uh, and with that six win mark, uh, K-State has tied their most wins in a season ever um, to tie with, I believe it's 2021 and then 2017, as I recall. 
Um, yeah, 2017 and 2021. So they have two more games. If they can win one of them, they will have their most wins overall in a season ever, and they'll tie their most conference wins in a season ever. So, you know, last week I was kind of melting down um, a little bit at times. We've kind of, I feel like we've had a soccer meltdown like three times. Once a week. Yeah, but they've ultimately played themselves into a solid position. Uh, they can finish strong. Uh, then at this point, they are looking very likely to make it to the Big 12 tournament. If they beat KU, I think they're a lock to make the Big 12 tournament because uh, KU right now is sitting in one of the elimination spots, I believe, because I think it's the bottom two spots don't go. Well, but... I thought it was only the bottom one. I, that's what I thought, but then it would be an odd number going to the tournament, which would be kind of weird. So I figure, so it might be bottom two unless they give like the number one seed a buy, which it might be. I'm not really sure, honestly. Uh, which, oh well. But I mean, we we did go, we did get second in, or second to last in 2019, and we didn't make it. Uh, so I would imagine. That is a uh, bottom two. Don't make it. But K State currently sitting uh, two two spots out of uh, elimination. They're in seventh. They can beat KU. Then they'll move up uh, at least one spot over Oklahoma, who's just ahead of them right now. But the soccer team is in a much better position than I think either of us thought that they would be right now. Yeah based on how they've played at times this year, especially how they kind of started the year, which yeah. had some very frustrating losses and a, kind of a blowout against Texas. But yeah. they've seemingly kind of figured it out in the last couple of weeks, uh, at times at least. Yeah, but, at times. Not against uh, Texas Tech was kind of a kind of a mess. Yeah. It, it's it, it seems to be a problem with consistency, which is a problem for all of our non-ref sports. But... It, that's a grander discussion for, for later on and maybe next week. But in terms of awards, Sophie Harlan got Big 12 Freshman of the Week, so congratulations to her. And as we've alluded to, we next play the University of Kansas in the Sunflower Showdown. The day this releases, Friday, October 21st. So if you're not doing anything, head down to Boozer Family Park and you know, support the Soccer Cats. Next up is volleyball, and for, we got to start off with a little bit of hurt because the first game that we're going to be talking about was up against the then eight and nine and three and three in Big Twelve play Texas Christian Horn Frogs, and uh, yeah, we got reverse swept. I was at this game; it was remarkably painful because it it kind of hit me by the middle of the third set. Like, wait a minute. And then fate had set itself in by the fourth set. And then the fifth set happened. I was just so unbelievably sad. But yeah, we got reverse swept by TCU at home, which is the second time the K-State Wildcats have been reverse swept at home. The first time was KU in the Sunflower Showdown. In terms of how the scoring went, it was 25-20 in the first set to K-State, 25-19 to K-State in the second set. And then all TCU, 25-16, 25-20, and then 15-5. It, uh, it was just so, it was so painful to watch, honestly. That's the best way to describe it. 
because it was a complete and utter collapse of just the most violent and disgusting way possible. Yeah, <laughs> there. No, that's a, I suppose a good way to put it. Um, statistically, um, I'm not really sure what else to draw from that other than K State didn't necessarily play horribly offensively. Uh, Elena Baca had a nice night with 39 attack attempts, 17 kills, four errors. Aaliyah Carter had 52 attack attempts, 14 kills, four errors. Uh, uh, Katie Fernholz, 23 attack attempts, nine kills, three errors. Uh, Haley Warner was all right with 14 attack attempts, four kills, and two errors. Uh, Sydney Bolding had three service aces and no errors in that department. Uh, Mackenzie Morris had 17 digs. Molly Ramsey had eight, as did Aaliyah Carter, and Elena Baca had seven. Uh, uh, but beyond that, not a ton to write home about. Lauren Hinkle did have 42 sets, um, but just couldn't really get it done. Uh, once again, we allowed uh, an opposing player to just have their way offensively. Julia Adams at TCU at 39 attack attempts, 20 kills, four errors. I think defense has been something that's probably been the, one of the biggest issues for this team. Um, they, I don't really know a lot about volleyball strategy, but it, we clearly are not playing great defense when the other team is pretty much scoring at will. Yeah. <laughs> and I know that that's much. an accurate assessment. <laughs> yeah. I can deduce that much at least. Um, when you can't stop them, maybe it's a you problem. But yeah, it's very frustrating because I think this team has a lot of potential and a lot of offensive firepower. But I think a lot of it is poor positioning and unforced errors, and that a lot of that probably comes back to coaching. I'd say. Yeah. Um, again, I don't know a lot about volleyball strategy, so I'm not going to sit here and act like the arbiter of. <laughs> <laughs> like what makes a good volleyball team and what doesn't. I just read stats off of a, a chart. <laughs> <And> <laughs> the stat man. <laughs> yeah, like, but I, I I couldn't sit there and like identify a single volleyball play, but clearly something is wrong when you get reverse swept at home by a team that uh, is not as good as you are. I I mean, there's no excuse for that, really. Um, than any stretch of the imagination. Uh, but yeah, that, that, that's a soul crusher if uh, your K State volleyball like going up 2 0, uh, and then getting destroyed in the third set, losing the fourth set, I think just kind of giving up and the fifth set, losing 15 to 5. And that's pretty yeah. embarrassing. That's a, that's a rough way to go, especially at home. Yeah, especially at home. And, but we followed up the very next match by reverse sweeping Oklahoma at their home court. Oklahoma entered this match 11-7 on the year with a 1-5 Big 12 record. And it's almost like K-State in a way picked right up from where they were at the TCU game. They lost the first two sets, 25-20 and then 25-15, and then turned it right back on. And went and won the last three sets 25-22, 25-15, and then 15-13. And 
after we talk stats and what this game means, we we can have the grander conversation about this volleyball squad. Yeah, this Oklahoma game. I I don't know what to make of this team I because how I don't understand how you. I mean, it was the exact opposite outcome of the previous match. I'm glad that they fought. I'm just confused. <laughs> yeah, they uh, if yeah they fight off the reverse sweep. Things were looking pretty grim after the second set. Uh, then they just grinded out a tough win. Things were looking pretty bad in the fifth set. Honestly, they were down eight four at one point, and they came back to win thirteen. Uh, again, showing a lot of grit. Um, but yeah, getting into stats, Sydney Bolding, 21 attack attempts, 11 kills, three errors, hitting really well there. Shaley Myers, 33 attack attempts, 13 kills, four errors, only played in four sets. Um, then Aaliyah Carter had one of her better games in a while, 37 attack attempts, 16 kills, five errors. Um, beyond that, not a lot of other... Uh, Super notable offensive contributions. Mackenzie Morris had a phenomenal game with 29 digs uh, and then a service ace as well to go with five sets. Um, Really, really excellent stuff from Mackenzie Morris. who has been one of the main consistent pieces of this team. uh, I would say on the back line uh, playing a libero, I believe. Uh, But then going off of that, um, Nine digs for Lauren Hinkle. Uh, she also had 43 sets. I may have already said that. Did I say that? But I, I who knows? <laughs> who's to say? Who's to say? Who's to but, say? Yeah, it was a it, it was a good game for for K State, which is just so strange to me. Um, they Oklahoma had a few people have pretty solid performances, but nothing to the extent that uh, TCU had against them. Uh, they out hit Oklahoma. They had more service aces, fewer service errors. Um, yeah, K State somehow wins in Norman with a reverse sweep. I don't know what to make of that, Ace. What do you th- what do you make of that, Ace? I'm going to put the onus on you. Yeah, this just leads to the grander conversation about the the, the volleyball team. This team. I'm not sure they could be much more inconsistent because one game, one match, they'll look lost. And then the next match, they will look like they're world beaters. And this even happens in the middle of matches. They'll look like they're just completely down and out, like they kind of looked in the Oklahoma game. And then they'll wake up and suddenly start playing super well. And, you know, we we've moved. We currently sit at 12, eight and twelve and eight with a three and four conference record. With the talent that we have on this roster, that shouldn't be our record. We've dropped a few games that we haven't. We shouldn't have lost to TCU. We shouldn't have lost to KU. We probably should have pulled it out against Rice. It, it was. We've lost a lot of games that we shouldn't have just because this team is struggling with consistency and chooses the worst possible times to fall apart. And I know that there's still quite a few games on the schedule. There's one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine. There's nine games left on the schedule. So there's still time to sort of right the ship and, you know, make another NCAA tournament berth. But you really need to find any degree of consistency down the stretch in order to make that happen. And not counting Big 12 play. I mean, the actually, I'm not sure there is a tournament. But... 
not counting, you have to find a degree of consistency if you want to be a tournament team. And that means you probably have to eke out victories against schools like KU again, Iowa State. You need to find a way to beat West Virginia again, beat Oklahoma again, get the one back from TCU. You need to win the majority of your last couple games. And with how inconsistent the squad has been, I'm I'm not sure if they can. Yeah, this is a squad that, if anything, seems to really thrive on mid-match adversity. Um, but only if they go down first. Uh, they seem to do a solid job of fighting back, but not do a good job of holding the lead, which some of that might be inexperience. Uh, but a lot of these players have been here for a while. This is Aaliyah Carter's third year. Fern Holes is in the same position. Baca's new, but um, there's not a ton of super young people playing on this team other than Shaley Myers. Um, I... I'm not really sure. Part of it's probably just part of the game where if you're not a top flight team, you're just going to ebb and flow as things come and go. I mean, Elena Baca, uh, you could, she's a perfect example of that where, yeah, she had a really good offensive game, but uh, she had seven reception errors against TCU, which accounted for seven of the 10 that the entire team had. So really, really rough game for her. Then she follows it up and only has two uh, against Oklahoma. And doesn't really do a whole lot offensively. 12 attack attempts, one kill, one error. So and some of it is just ebbing and flowing. And it just kind of comes and goes when you're at the college level. And even at the pro level. But it it's rarely as drastic as it's been this year. There could be a multitude of reasons for it. At the end of the day, if you get dubs, you take those. And it doesn't really matter how you get them. But, I mean, this is a team that could be doing even better than it has been. And I think they know that um, like they should have beat KU at home uh, a few weeks ago, uh, almost a month ago at this point. Jeez. And good Lord. Yeah, I know. Right. It's flying by. Uh, Bro, it, then, it, it's Thursday. I thought it was like Tuesday. <laughs> that, that's the weird thing is I thought it was like, I thought it was Friday on Tuesday <laughs> this week. Cause I had a midterm on Tuesday and just mm-hmm. didn't have a life for like three days straight. And so I thought That's the fair. week was like done on Tuesday. What a shame. But what a shame. Could have happened to anybody. Yeah. Should it be TCU? I mean, I mean, we we could go back and forth on this stuff all night if we wanted to. But at the end of the day, they're doing roughly, I think, what we anticipated, which was be decent. And yeah, they've dropped a few head scratchers and a few that you'd like to have back. Um, but then they've also had a few nice wins and good performances um, uh, sprinkled in between. So, and again, I'm not willing to hit the alarm bells just yet. For one, I don't think it's worth throwing a major fit over <laughs> the volleyball team. No, nah, bro, we're um, a tantrum right now. Feel free to do so. I will not stop you. <laughs> I won't join you, but <laughs> you can do that if you wish. Um, and then also, I mean, I think next year, maybe they'll play with a bit more confidence, just having their own arena. Cause I don't know how much playing in Bramlage affects them. I wouldn't imagine a ton, but it is it, definitely kind of a weird place to play volleyball. I think, cause it's yeah. definitely not designed for it. Nope. Uh, so having their own arena next year, brand new arena, uh, which I'm looking forward to hopefully catching a game or two, uh, mm-hmm. from there, uh, 
that is allegedly going to help recruiting. We, we shall see yeah. if that's the case. But they're ultimately doing what I think a lot of K-State volleyball teams have done the last few years. I'd like to see more because they've shown that they can do more uh, in the past. Granted, it's been a few years, but they've it's been shown that K-State can be successful at a borderline national level uh, in the past. Like back in, I think it was 03, where they just went on a reign of terror in the Big 12. They won like 18 straight matches or something like that. Um, but yeah, so there's definitely potential here, but still a ways to go as a squad. More talking than I've done about a volleyball team my entire life, I think. Yeah. All to come back to, hey, maybe. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's that's the thesis, hey, maybe. Yeah, perhaps is my my summary. <laughs> <laughs> the next game for the Volley Cats is in Bramlage this Saturday going up against Baylor at one o'clock in the afternoon. So again, if you're not down in Fort Worth, you may as well come on swing by before you head to Aggieville to watch the game. May as well swing by to support the Volley Cats. And now the moment everyone's been waiting for, I'm certain, and that is the men's golf recap because they just had their fall Big 12 match play. They ended up going 2-2-1, two, two, and one, two wins, two losses, one draw in match play, good for sixth place in the Big 12. The notable one there to me is a draw with number one Texas Tech. We drew the number one team in the country. Yeah. That is absolutely outstanding. Um, it, it doesn't get much better than that, really, from a, uh, a K-State perspective. I mean, yeah, they did barely drop a head-scratcher uh, to TCU. They tied to KU. They kind of lost steam by the end. But they, doing that well uh, against uh, Texas Tech, I mean that's that's phenomenal. I I truly didn't really have expectations going into that, um, but being able to perform at such a high level uh, and get a draw against them that's really really impressive. Yeah, and that's their fall season. The next time they play is sometime in sometime in spring. Is it them or the women's team that plays at the the mythical Brazzy? <laughs> that is the women's golf team. They will be visiting the Brazzy on April Fool's Day of all that, days. That's right. That that's what makes it all the funny, all the more funny. It's just that not only is it called the Brazzy, but it's on April Fool's April Day. April Fool's Day. Well, to organize an alley cat. <laughs> trip down to the Brazzy. I am not doing that. I will not be able to, but uh, that'd be fun. If they're continuing to do it in like, I don't know, like four years, I'll actually consider going to the Brazzy, even though I played golf like once in the last like 10 years. So it'd be worth it just to say you went to the Brazzy. Yeah, I maybe they sell merch like that's like I I was at the Brazzy like 2025 or whenever it is I end up being there. (laughs) God, dude, I that'd be sick. I'd wear a Brazzy t-shirt everywhere I went. I'd never I take it off. I wouldn't wear it because I get it framed. So <laughs> hang above my mantle is my prized possession, my Brazzy <laughs> shirt. Your kid's gonna walk by someday. Papa, what's that? What's the Brazzy? Sit down, son. 
<laughs> I'll tell you a story. We're going to learn you about the Bruzzy today. <laughs> All children should learn about the Bruzzy. Uh, that should be like mandated in curriculums. But... I- I'm just saying there's going to be a party on this show whenever we're recapping women's golf at the Bruzzy. <laughs> if the women's golf team wins the Bruzzy Invitational, this podcast might shut down. Because like, nothing will ever beat that high. We will riot in the streets in Aggieville. <laughs> the Aggieville riots, they're making a comeback, I guess. Making a comeback. That We're is not going to do that. For legal reasons, that is a joke. That is a joke. And for actual reasons. The now they, golf team is uh, taking a break because uh, their fall slate is done. They'll be back for the uh, Mobile Bay Intercollegiate uh, February 13th and 14th in Mobile, Alabama. And then they will that will be the beginning of their spring schedule. So yeah, that's the men's golf. And that's pretty much the weekly recap. And now we can go into everyone's favorite, the wacky segment of the week. And although I don't think it can quite match last week's, <laughs> <laughs> nevertheless, we have a good question this week. And that is, if Jerome Tang and Chris Kleiman were both fighting game characters, what would their signature moves be? Would you like to go first or would you like me to go first? Uh, let's break it down by person because I have one for Tang. Okay. So, His, yeah. Yeah. For me, I think Jerome Tang's signature move would be the Emaw attack. He would just scream Emaw like a Goku and. Then he would, I don't know. I don't know what the effect would be. Um, maybe it would be like a temporary effect. Like for 10 seconds, you can't attack a K-State fan or something like that. <laughs> he goes Emo 5 and it's just the world blows up. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So uh, since I'll go second with Jerome Tang, I think that what he does is he, it's kind of similar but he just kind of hits a pose, points at his opponent, and then just says, get him. And then the entire K-State student section comes down just to trample this one person. <laughs> <laughs> Through the power of influence. <laughs> Through the power of influence. And they're all screaming KSU in tune with stomps on the person. <laughs> <laughs> you know what? I, I like that. So for for Kleiman, what I think his special move would be is the uh, the running timeout. So he has to go into a full sprint, call a timeout right in their face. And then they're like frozen in time for 30 seconds where Kleiman can just verbally assail them and or throw a playbook at them. In which case, if they ever make contact with, they instantly explode. So the running timeout is Chris Kleiman's signature move. That was going to be my basis for mine was the running timeout. <laughs> I, I, I'm not joking. That was that was exactly uh, what I was going to do. Um, I'm trying to think about other like Kleiman uh, signatures. Um, I'm going to call apparently it. He gives a great pregame speech. Apparently, um, I'll do. Um, he gets a uh, stat buff. Um, it's not a really signature move, but he gets a stat buff against any red team. Uh, <laughs> I just like a general, like he becomes much stronger against red teams. And if it's a uh, top five red team, 
then like once per match, uh, he gets an automatic big play. <laughs> like, like, like he just gets to smack them freely like once per, per match. So we kind of have the similar like time stop thing there to where like they get a free attack. <laughs> uh, he, he gets to attack the, the red team just once. Once for free. And that's All right. That's fair. You have anything else to say? No, but what you reply with your Jerome Tang Chris Kleiman signature moves? Uh, Oh, I guess the question is who would win? Who would win? Um, I'll say Kleiman. I think he's pretty scrappy. The the Kleiman with the, the timeout? Yeah, I think so. Drum Tang would cut it like really close because of his power of influence over the student section. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, I'm picking Kleiman because I think, well, in a true one-on-one, like no signature move, I think Kleiman clears. Oh yeah, he clears. But Tang definitely uh, makes it close with his uh, his influence. Yeah, I, his, I his resolve, I, if one will. But. I, it, he has resolve. I, he I think resolve. if, yeah, if 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 Tang has the the student section power, I think he kind of clears in like this street fighter scenario. Yeah, you're you're probably right, but gosh, I don't know. Well, it, it's they can't fight each other. They're like on the same team, so you know this this is a, a hypothetical. Yeah, but. That pretty much wraps up this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Thank you all so much for listening. If you want to contact the show, you can follow us on Twitter at Aggieville Cats. That's capital A, capital A, and capital C in cats. If you want to email us, we are AggievilleAlleyCats at gmail.com. If you want to follow us on a more personal note, I'm at ACEdwards00. I am at Connor Baltazor, capital C, capital B. And if you want to support the show financially, please be sure to check out the official Aggieville Alley Cats merch store, where you can find such designs as the staff-approved Doom Tang Clan, Play Sandstorm Cowards, and Neon Alley Cats. But most importantly, thank you all for listening to this episode of the Aggieville Alley Cats podcast. Where come rain, shine, or anything in between, we're here to deliver to you the Kansas State sporting news that you so love. Stay safe, Alley Cats. <laughs>